Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, or if you're listening for the first time, we are so happy to have you here. Today's guest is the one and only Callie Rikus. Callie is the founder and CEO of Bolo, also known as Body Love. Callie is a true inspiration to us. She saw something missing in her life and rose to the occasion to create it herself. Bolo is not only a fitness studio, but also a cafe, salon, and workspace. We sat down with her to discuss everything from her career change in TV to fitness, her boxing career, the mistakes made and lessons learned when starting your own business, and of course, how to love ourselves and our bodies. Callie is kind, authentic, and one of the most hardworking and genuine people we have had the privilege of meeting. We cannot wait to hear what you will take away from today's conversation. Hey friends, welcome to the team. I'm Sarah, marketing professional, bar fitness instructor, and dancer. And I'm Kira, a professional in the wellness industry, dancer, and lover of all things fitness and well-being. We're your hosts of the Team Wellness TO podcast. Together, we've created this podcast to be your one-stop shop for all information about the entrepreneurs that work to build a healthier Toronto every day. Our goal is to form the largest team of healthy, happy, and thriving individuals in Toronto. We aim to provide the information you need to start or further your holistic wellness journey. Let's get this conversation started. All right. Thank you so much, Callie, for joining us today. This is actually our second time recording with you. Um, We had a bit of unfortunate events last time. Um, But we're here again, and Kelly's been so gracious to come on again, so thank you so much. Of course, I wouldn't miss it. (laughs) Yes. We learned a lot of things. We accidentally lost the recording last time, so... Yes. Friends, double-check all of your tech (laughs) tech things before you ever get an amazing guest on. Um, But again, we we appreciate Kelly so much, and um, yes, lesson learned, and I think... Just, yeah, always starting something. It's got its ups and downs. Um, yeah, so. listen, I think we can all relate to starting something and making mistakes that are kind of necessary to make sure you never remake them. Like, I, yeah. how long do you have for me to list all the mistakes I've made? Yeah. <laughs> Especially, like, with Bolo and opening and managing staff. Like, man, it's yeah, it's a tough lesson, but I guarantee you guys will never do that again. So 100%. that's, like, you know, sometimes it's an essential piece of the puzzle, but doesn't make it easier in the moment. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And also, happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. It was just last week, right? That's right. Awesome. So, and then to just jump right into things, um, for those who actually haven't had the privilege to meet you yet, could you help us tell our audience who is Callie? Sure. Um, Well, I guess um, most people know me now as the founder and CEO of Bolo Body Love Inc., which is a relatively new... um, wellness facility in downtown Toronto where we do everything from um, working and coffee hangs and cocktail hangs in our cafe to um, fitness experiences in the gym and then we have a blow dry bar and beauty bar um, Mm. where we help people get themselves together to transition into their lives. Um, But before that I was a TV producer, I was a competitive boxer, I'm a body positive advocate. and just all around uh, nerd. Awesome. 
Love I love it so much. Yeah, I love how you ended that off. I'm <laughs> um, Same. Um, yeah, so just to dive a bit more into Bolo itself, um, you actually just celebrated your one-year anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that Well, to amazing. clarify, it was our one-year anniversary in the big space. Yes. So Bolo as a, um, as a brand has been around for almost two years, mm-hmm. yes. but we've okay. spent eight months in a pop-up space. So people are like, didn't you have an anniversary in like November? I know it's yeah. confusing. It's kind of like when you're dating someone versus married to them. Yeah. It's like, oh, do yeah. we still celebrate our like month anniversary? Are we just going by years now? Are we going yeah. by like when we got engaged? Are we going by when we got married? Like it's kind of so confusing. True. But forevermore, August 1st will be our celebration. We will oh, okay. no longer celebrate the other one. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, one year in the big space. That's amazing. It's such a beautiful space and we both love it. Thank We've both you. been there. Um, so you have so many different classes um, from boxing to also boxing classes in the hot room, but lots of other classes in the hot room, um, the cafe, the salon. So how did you come up with such um, a unique idea and also the name? Yeah. Um, so Bolo as an idea sort of manifested based on some pain points that I was feeling in my life as a consumer which is, I think, how a lot of entrepreneurs can relate um, to building a business. It's like, this is a problem. Why isn't there a solution? Okay, maybe I should create a solution. That's sort of like how it goes most of the time. Um, So for me, I had just left my corporate job at CTV. I was there for 10 years. I left uh, to pursue freelance journalism. So I was a writer um, and obviously an avid fitness consumer. And I was also starting to go to a lot of fitness and wellness events in the evening. So I had this like really unique kind of schedule. I needed a place where I could meet my deadlines and get my work done. I needed a place where I could do all the sweaty things that I wanted to do, which is pretty diverse. Um, I'm a really big fan of cross training. I think it's super important. Um, And then I also needed a place where I could feel comfortable getting myself together for my next destination without having too many places to go in between or having to go home in between, which is simply just not possible. So I found myself um, being frustrated, sometimes um, sacrificing things that I don't think should be sacrificed. Like a lot of people, you know, won't do the workout if they have the event later Um, or if they have a board meeting after or... Um, they would have to choose between getting a healthy, hearty meal and doing a workout. I don't think you should have to choose between those things. Mm -hmm. Those are essential services that should just be provided. And I started to really feel my frustration building, even just as simple as my dad and I used to spin on Saturday mornings together. Yeah, so great. And um, we would have a really difficult time getting we wanted to get a coffee and then do the workout and we had a really difficult time. It was like so, so hard to get a coffee before our spin class, especially in the winter. Yeah. And, um, I was like, wouldn't it be so nice if there was just like a lovely, comfortable coffee shop, like not a stool outside (laughs) the gym, but a comfortable coffee shop where we could sit down and catch up before, uh, before the class. And, um, so those things, they just started to like really get loud in my brain and, So I don't know. It just kind of like came over me. I was like, I think I need to do this. And it just felt so reasonable. Like it's a, it's a lofty idea. There's a lot involved. And Mm -hmm. most people, when I explained it to them, were like, I'm sorry, why do you want to put a blow dry bar in your boxing gym? I don't understand. Um, but to me, it was like the simplest idea. Like it was like the simplest solution to so many problems. Um, 
Yeah. And then when I was coming up with sort of the branding idea and the name, it sort of was like, it was never like, hmm, what should I name it? It was like, are always going to be body love. Like, I don't remember a time when it wasn't. Um, and the, the term body love connected with me for this idea. Um, obviously because I'm a body positive advocate, I think it's a really important piece of my puzzle and kind of helps me make sense of why I've gone through what I've gone through and brings me to a place where I really wanted to provide a space for people who felt like we were promoting the right things like body love. Um, but then also, uh, when you kind of try to pull together all the amenities that we offer, um, at the base and the foundation of all of these things that I wanted people to be able to do is love for your body. So Mm -hmm. I wanted people to come and work out because they have love for their body and not wanted to punish it. I want people to eat out of celebration of their body and out of, you know, the goal of nourishment, um, and fuel. And that comes from love. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I believe that people should unapologetically be able to pamper themselves and feel beautiful and be as vain as they need to be, um, and still love themselves. You don't have to, you don't put on makeup because you don't love yourself. And that's, I think like another misconception I feel in the world that it's like, Mm -hmm. you can't do these sort of beautifying things if you're body positive, because you need to love yourself pure and I think there's space for everything so all of these different concepts kind of came together and I was like this is a place where we celebrate the love for our bodies so body love and then my husband helps um obviously was a huge part helping me launch it and and now helps me on the back end of things Mm -hmm. um with concepts and partnerships and finances and um we were lying in bed one night Actually, I think we were sleeping. And I think he, like, Mm -hmm. popped out of bed. And he was like, what if we, like, short-formed it to Bolo? And I was like, oh, my God, you just got a raise. (laughs) Promote it. Um, And it was just like, oh, my God, of course. And I love the name Bolo, um, which is sort of the vernacular, how people call it. Yeah. Uh, I love it because, obviously, it rolls off the tongue. um, And it's not as in your face. Right. if people connect to the, to the idea of body love or they don't, Bolo kind of helps kind of bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, there's this kind of idea that, like, we have a lot of men that come in box at Bolo, and um, I never wanted them to feel uncomfortable or, like, like they had to explain why they were training at a place that had the word love in it, right. um, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm also, like, I'm just here to make it comfortable for people, and I think mm-hmm. that that really helps – with that sort of gender neutrality as well. Yeah. Wow. That the whole story is just so powerful and, and beautiful. And there's so many themes, like we could probably talk for an hour about each of those kind of points that you discussed. So it's really amazing the space that you have created. Thank you. So once you, you know, have this idea, you have the concept and everything, we'd love to hear more about the process of it coming to life. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like selective memory. I'm like, I tried to block it out. Yeah. It was a difficult process for sure. And, you know, more difficult than I think anyone ever is able to prepare you for. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of compare it to child labor, although I've never done it myself. But I feel like mothers are always like, I wish someone had told me how fucking painful it was. <laughs> and then actually the truth is that, like, you actually shouldn't know how bad it is because you might not do it. Right. Yeah. Um, so in a way, I'm glad I went in with a little bit of ignorance, but at the same time, I think my ignorance also created more problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea came to me 
And as a creative person, the branding and the concept came super easily to me. Okay. So that came first. I flushed it out so quickly. Um, I think in my passion for the idea and my belief in the idea, it just kind of flowed really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and truly, like from then till now, like let's say three and a half years ago is when I first conceptualized it. I haven't sacrificed one piece of the puzzle, which is interesting because usually mm-hmm. it kind of morphs. Yeah. This didn't morph. It started as this concept and it's still this concept and that's that's cool. Um, so I, I fleshed it out really quickly from a sort of like concept skeleton structure perspective. Um, and then um, I started to look at locations really quickly um, before I even had my funding, which is kind of like you can't really <laughs> yeah. like chicken yeah. and egg, you know. <laughs> Um, we were already starting to talk to investors, but hadn't locked anything in yet. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that I, I knew where I wanted to be. And I always have felt a sense of urgency because the idea of like this concept felt so important and so necessary to the community to me. And I feel like any good idea, multiple people have been ruminating on it. Like it just has to be. So mm-hmm. I felt the sense of urgency to kind of like be first to do this type of thing, this sort of modern country, country club idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started looking at locations, um, actually the location we're in now, I scouted uh, over a year before we actually signed the lease. Okay. Um, I knew exactly the sort of location I wanted to be in and I um, and we ended up there, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of how we began and then once we sort of had an idea of the cost of those locations, that's when we started to really, really build out the financial piece because now we know how much you know, everything would cost us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm not very business savvy. I am starting to be, but at the yeah. time I had no business experience. Um, I've never asked for financial investments from people. Um, I come from a creative world where, you know, I was interviewing celebrities and writing scripts and traveling the world, but never ever talking about money. And I feel mm-hmm. like that was such a disservice to me. And I, I do believe that we should all be forced to take business classes in our undergrads. Like I remember being forced to take like statistics, like bullshit. We should all be forced to take like business 101 and then also real estate 101. Like not even commercial real estate, but just, I don't know, just as an adult now, like owning a house, like all the things you need to know. Taxes. Taxes. Thank you. So I'm like, I feel like this is going to become an advocacy thing for me because I'm like, I'm angry that that wasn't required because everybody should have a sense of, of like business sort of dealings and have a baseline of knowledge. Anyways, um, we, we went and we, uh, talked to a few people in our network that we knew had, um, had an experience with investing in startups. Mm. A lot of people turned me away. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept to them seemed far-fetched and expensive. And mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. It was very expensive. It's a very expensive undertaking. Mm-hmm. More expensive than any regular gym, quote-unquote, because yeah. we needed so much space, sure. so much staff. Like, most of these gyms have... One person at the desk, you know, folding towels and checking people in, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. you know, a couple thousand square feet. We have 7,000 square feet and we have 30 oh, plus wow. employees. So the overhead is high. People sort of didn't understand the concept or the model. Um, and because there's no what they call proof of concept because it was brand new. So I'm yeah. inventing something, yeah. which is cool, but it's highly risky. So talking to these 
financial people, I started to learn about why they weren't investing and I had to kind of accept it and learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a lot of our investments from personal friends and family who know me, know my husband, like know the heart that we have and yeah. the amount of of seriousness we were putting in, well, that we would put into anything, but also like, and also the skin that we put in the game. So that's a huge thing is like, I'm not playing with other people's money. Yeah. Like just as though it's like making it rain. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I'm not playing at all. I'm here to win yeah. and I'm here to take this seriously. And I've put as much in it as I'm asking for anybody else, if not more, my entire mm-hmm. life rides on this business. So yeah. they kind of understood that and were able to, um, to really like, invest because of their belief in us which mm-hmm. is really cool um so from there um so I don't know if you guys know this but at the time I was personal training for a girl named Joanna Griffiths who um is oh, the founder Nixwear, of Nixwear right? yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so Nixwear is a huge company now um that provides sort of non-traditional women's underwear garments mm-hmm. um it started as a kind of a leak proof undie right for women Mm -hmm. with incontinence or um that sort of thing and then it came into like you know helping us with our periods and providing like cute undies for that and then Kate went into bras like what props so it's she's a problem solver she's a risk taker she's done all of it and she's been very successful and I was actually personal training her um at the time and I started talking about my business and she um really took a liking to my concept Lots of things happened in between, but in the end, we moved into a pop-up together, and that's kind of how Bolo, Baby Bolo began. Right. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I didn't want to just, like, jump in head first into a 7,000-square-foot space from, like, yeah. obscurity. I think that that's crazy. Yeah. Um, to have, like, no one know who we were and open our doors and be like, we're open! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because I know, you know, just from having taught classes in the past that – it's a it's a hustle and it takes oh, time yeah. to mature. And even though I came in with, you know, whatever twenty thousand Instagram followers, like that doesn't always yeah, that doesn't always equate yeah. to people who actually attend your classes and like pay money for your business. Yeah. So I knew um, I took a cue from kind of like Soul Cycle had done this, uh, Ride Cycle had done this, where you sort of offer discounted classes to get people in the know about what you're doing and yeah. Um, give your team time to mature and your concept time to like have breathing room in the community. So I moved into the pop-up with Nixware right across the street from where I knew that we were going to be signing a lease. So right across from where we are now, Um, a smaller space, obviously with the clout of having a big company like Nixware in the building with us, which was really cool. That's amazing. Um, And we were there for eight months. Um, and without that opportunity to be there with Nix, like, I don't know what would have happened with Bolo. I know that we would end up here at some point, but it kind of fast-tracked the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, having people believe in you and see your vision and 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 put some weight behind it is, was yeah. a really big piece of the puzzle for us um, because it was an obscure concept um, and, like, a brand-new kind of offering. Mm -hmm. wow that's yeah that's like the coolest story and I think what's so incredible is that the whole time like clearly you were like I'm this is happening like I'm doing this and which is so inspiring like I feel like maybe sometimes people would be like oh I'll dip a couple toes like kind of go back and forth but it's sort of like you had this concept 
and it was going to happen and yeah. then you just needed like those people who obviously supported you and like yeah I would so say awesome. the only thing well I don't know the only thing but one of the only things that distinguishes a person in business from yeah. a person with an idea is just commitment yeah mm. um there were so many times that I could have turned back you know mm. obviously yeah. like my explanation of how things went down doesn't even graze the surface of all the shit that went down. Yeah. That yeah, could have I really scared me away. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'm nuts for keeping on pushing. Um, but I do believe that anything worth something is going to be difficult and mm-hmm. it's going to test you. And mm-hmm. I think the tests are obviously there, A, to teach you a lesson, just like you guys did for like yes. losing <laughs> the file when we did our first interview. But, um, so to help you learn, but also to test your commitment to it. So it's mm-hmm. like this, okay, this shit's happening to you. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Are you going to turn your back? Because shit's going to happen in life. That's life. Yeah. And that's definitely business. And especially when the business is high stakes and it's brand new. So mm-hmm. we made a lot of mistakes. We went through a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we learned a lot of hard lessons. And I think 99% of people would have stopped. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And I think that when people ask me, like, you know, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? It's like you already have it. The idea is 10%, 90% is, like, having the balls to continue because no idea is going to be easy. Yeah, definitely not. And I work in a startup, so I get to see that. Like, there's so many things that happen. um, And you're just like, how do you keep – like, you think you're like – how do you keep doing it? Because there's just every day something yeah. new pops up, especially yeah. if you're running the company yourself. Everything comes to you at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's amazing that you push through because I can understand why other people might view that um, as a out there idea because people in traditional business um, might say, oh, you need one simple idea or just mm-hmm. do one of yes, the for sure. many things that you want to do. Yeah, I heard um, that a lot. Yeah, yeah, so I feel like, yeah, that would be the general um, what most people would say, but yeah, amazing work. Thank you. <laughs> to keep going all the way through. I think um, I'm a bit of a masochist. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are a bit of masochists. Yeah. Uh, but like in a beautiful way, kind of this like beautiful madness a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm proud of that quality, but it definitely has been hard. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. I need a nap. Yeah. So before Bolo, you said you were a TV um, writer mm-hmm. for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about that and what you learned from that experience and maybe what you were able to bring into Bolo from that? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, right out of school, actually, I was still in school when I um, realized that being an entertainment producer was a career. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but sometimes we take things for granted. Like we watch things on TV or listen to them on the radio or, um, I don't know, it, it feels like those those things are intangible to us or mm-hmm. unreachable. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was a writer. Um, I thought my only avenue was to do like traditional news. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I sort of started to like really tap into the opportunities that were out there, um, I first went into magazines. I was an intern at Flair magazine. Um, cool. And then I felt like I wanted something even more fast paced than that. I wanted something like more immediate. Magazines work six months ahead to 
forecast trends. Okay. Um, right. So if it's August now, they'd be doing the January issue, let's mm. say, right? Because yeah. it takes a long time to manufacture. Those who are still printing magazines, it takes a long time to get it into printing and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to talk about what's happening in January. I want to talk about what happened today in mm. fashion, in Hollywood, like in the news, um, uh, in the entertainment news. So I, someone gave me a contact. I got an internship at eTalk. I was a baby. I was still in school. Um, and it was a really cool time to get into the industry because it wasn't really like what it is today. It was mm -hmm. still kind of maturing. So the team was really small. Um, they allowed at that time interns that had zero broadcasting experience. Mm -hmm. So most, uh, most companies now would require you to have been in a radio intelligent program at Ryerson. Mm -hmm. I have not done that. I went to, I was a political science major. Um, had zero experience, which is kind of my thing, I guess. And I learned on the fly. I learned on my toes. I'm, as we know now, like just a really sort of committed person. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't take no for an answer. So I just learned on the fly, worked really, really hard, and ended up getting a job fairly quickly. Um, so quickly that I was still in school. I had to finish my courses mm -hmm. sort of in the evenings and stuff. Oh, it wow. sort of dragged out my... Uh, schooling a little bit but I was like damn I got a job here like yeah and it wasn't a cool job it was like I was a tape librarian back in the day before things were digital like I'm right. old, I'm old so, <laughs> um, things weren't digital yet so I had to like literally file tapes um I was doing uh you know like the host read off a teleprompter and someone has to turn it while they talk at the pace that they're talking at I did that oh, wow. um so I did lots of things like that and then you know people noticed me and noticed my passion. Um, my first opportunity was to work the eTalk lounge at TIFF. Oh, nice. And then from there I went to the Oscars, all these things. I became a producer. So it all cool. happened pretty quickly. And I think, you know, right place, right time. And also like big balls that people could see, which yeah. is sort of my thing. Um, and so I ended up being there for 10 years. It was amazing. My focus was mostly um, fashion and uh, entertainment news, which was sort of my thing at the time. Most people know me now to just only be wearing leggings and, <laughs> and a hoodie because of my sort of fitness world now. But back then I was really into fashion. I even um, started and owned a headpiece company that I handmade in my home. I've always been really creative um, and really loved. I had a really big passion for fashion. Um, Working at eTalk and then subsequently helping develop The Social, which is the daytime show mm. on CTV, was the most incredible experience I could ask for in so many ways. I may have already touched on the fact that I wish that I had had a little bit of business knowledge, yeah. which it doesn't prepare you for. Uh, but what it did give me was an opportunity to really f flourish and sort of nurture my communication skills. Right. So not only just communicating and holding myself professionally together to meet you know, some of the biggest celebrities in the world, um, maintain my composure, feel worthy to be there, all those kinds of things. Uh, but also like I had to communicate with the biggest audience that you could possibly con consider, which is yeah. you know, the general Canadian public. Yeah. We'd have hundreds of thousands of viewers every day and you had to kind of communicate a message. You had to communicate it effectively and efficiently yeah. and kind of like snappy and cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my communication, I believe, was really fostered there and my ability to kind of like take a story and make it my own 
um, there's many shows that were doing the same content every day, and what you had to do was make it the e-talk version, so yeah. the the Cali version of that, you know, Britney Spears story. Yeah. Um, so how that plays in now is like even when I'm preparing a class plan for teaching at Bolo, I think about it like thematically like I want everything to have a story I want everything to be communicated in a way that is like only mine that could only be Callie's that could only be Bolo's um and that really would like have a beginning a middle and an end like I kind of everything I do is produced in that way Mm -hmm. which I do believe is one of the most special things about how I teach um I really try to think of things sort of on their heads a little bit differently and Bolo is that right Mm -hmm. like I sort of tossed everything on their sides and thought about things a little bit differently than what other people are doing. And I do believe that that comes as a skill from having 10 years of having to do that every day with stories that were being manufactured on a high scale. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that was huge. And then as a producer, I mean, I think people don't really know what producing means, but it means everything from, conceptualizing the story, pitching the story, so coming up with the idea and having to sell it to your executives, to writing it um, and putting all the pieces together. So if I have to interview Sarah for it, Mm -hmm. um, I have to call Sarah's talent manager, I have to make that happen, I have to pick a location, I have to ask, you know, research the questions, get the host involved. So anyway, there's like a lot of moving pieces and then at the end I have to have an editor put it together. There's, like, a lot of moving pieces. and I always say I've never, like, managed people before I had a staff. But truly, I used to manage things every day, like, big, big, large-scale things that I have to create a plan for and make really simple and and see through from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And when I look at Bolo, it's, like, to me, it's just, like, one big production. Um, I had to to come up with the idea. I had to pitch it to people. Mm -hmm, I had to create, like, put the pieces together and now I have it and I have to make sure it works and it's fluid and it makes sense to people and that it's being communicated effectively. So I think all those things play into what I'm doing now. And then of course, having connections in media is a wonderful thing when you're trying to get a business out there and well-known and things like that. So it's, it's a piece of my story that I'm really grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's an incredible experience yeah, for sure. Transferable skills are real. So a lot of people, like I remember when I was younger, I would think, oh, if I'm studying this, I won't be able to do this mm-hmm. job. But yeah. so many things, like you can do so many different things and be and translate it in some way. So Yeah, I think that that's also a question that comes up for me a lot from people. Um, is like how do they take what they're doing now and make such a big shift? And I encourage people to see the similarities yeah. or the skills that are transferable. Mm-hmm. Because there's always lessons that are learned in every piece of our lives that can, well, that A, make us who we are and capable of doing something else. Um, And and it's just about how you frame it, right? Mm -hmm. I think as as long as we have the right framing, we can kind of use whatever we've learned to do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, That's a powerful lesson that, like, we're not as limited as maybe we, we think we are. Um, so what is next for Bolo? Yeah, what is next in Bolo's journey? So Bolo's journey um, is just beginning, yes. I feel. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really excited to be at a place where uh, location one is really on its feet. 
um, and operating kind of smoothly, knock on wood, everybody knock on wood. Um, and I'm excited to, now that sort of the foundation of the operations are, are going well, to start really expanding like our events. Um, I really am passionate about uh, women in business and encouraging young entrepreneurs. And um, I would love to do more networking nights and sort of um, mentorship series. So I'm really excited to launch stuff like that. Um, I am also working on a lot of mental health advocacy, um, which will be kind of happening in the next few months, um, just kind of destigmatizing therapies and allowing people to kind of understand what the options are. I go to therapy every week and it's non-traditional therapy. It's like I see an energy healer. Um, We also do talk therapy, but she's just like coming at it from a totally different perspective. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes people feel like they're is just a slim option for them and that it doesn't work for them. And so they give up. I think there's so much out there. So working on that. Um, And then location two uh, is sort of like on the mind. Um, I know kind of where I want to be next. And I'm really excited to sort of sink my teeth into that now. Um, it's really hard to develop the business when you're still very much like involved in the day to day. So, and I've been thinking about location two since like January of 2019. Um, but I also see why it didn't happen until now, August of 2019, because, um, I really needed the business to be able to function without me essentially so that I could start to free up my mental and physical space to to look at the second location um so I'm super pumped about that and I feel like it's really good timing everything feels like fluid you know when things just like there's no resistance it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like moving and that's how I feel is um it's sort of playing out right now which is always a really great sign um yeah yeah, that's so cool. We're mm-hmm. excited to hear and like Thanks. see what what's next. Yeah, uh, location two is. Yeah, that's <laughs> so exciting. Um, so we'd love to tap into some of your wisdom that mm-hmm. you have, and um, would love to hear some advice that you have for people who um, are looking maybe to get into fitness um, or start teaching. Yeah. Um, so. I meet with a lot of young trainers, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really passionate about helping people kind of um, develop their niche, because I think there are lots of great sort of general fitness instructors, but what I believe makes people special, and it's been true for sure for the team at Bolo, um, is just like finding what your kind of fitness expression is. So you might do kind of quote unquote general fitness as in like boot camps or strength training or whatever. Um, But everyone has like a special kind of offering. And I really encourage people to tap into that um, to kind of see like if they can sort of develop more of that um, and really find their voice. So that's really important. I think you know, even when I'm having people shadow me or having people shadow each other, I think that's just a template. But what really makes something sing and what what makes a career is for someone to take what they've learned and then put it in their own voice. Yeah. And that's super important. So I would say, you know, of course, like find a mentor, shadow them, be open to learning more than you think you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, always be open. Always, always. Never feel like you've learned enough we've never learned enough. I'm still learning. I've hired a team of people that I learn from literally every single day. 
Um, and I think constant education and openness to to exploring new forms of movement and new ways to communicate it um, is what makes like a great trainer. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like finding a community. So finding a place that speaks your language, so to speak, like um, maintains the same values as you do, the same ethics and has the same morals and same commitment mm-hmm. um, to fitness. And then, you know, trying to find a place there and then really nurturing that community. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part. Finding people who are like-minded and who will motivate you every day. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, trying to smush yourself, um, into a business that's about, you know, body transformations and weight loss and you're like, you know, like an eating disorder advocate, that doesn't make sense and it's never going to work. Not to say that not either side is wrong. It's just not a fit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important instead of trying to like, it's true of anything, you know, trying to like insert yourself into a space that really isn't built for you, mm-hmm. won't have longevity. Um, I think it's really important to take your time to sort of feel out all the different options and see what really makes sense to you from an, you know, from an energy and ethics perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's so interesting. I feel like because for me, there was like a, a while where I was doing, like just trying out a whole di- like whole bunch of different places, yeah. just trying to like find mm-hmm. my way because I've always liked to work out. But then, I don't know, I think people, maybe also you go through phases, like as your life changes or certain things are happening, like different places or different energies will like resonate with you. Of so course, yeah. That's really interesting to kind of, yeah, it's just a really cool perspective that yeah. you don't hear a lot. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. So we saw in one of your posts mm-hmm. um, on Instagram that you mentioned that you used to hesitate calling yourself an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, but now you own the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who might feel the same way as you did? I mean, I think how we define ourselves is such a tricky thing because um, it doesn't always have to do with exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It has to do with you know how we see ourselves. And, and I think um, that you can't really force a title but you need to be open to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also know that how you define yourself in your career doesn't necessarily define you as a person. Like you don't, it doesn't have to mean everything. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, when I left TV, I like had a real identity crisis. I was like, if I'm not a TV producer, mm-hmm. then what do I call myself? Like I didn't really feel comfortable with personal trainer because I didn't feel like that defined me. Mm-hmm. It was just one thing I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, the reason why I kind of hesitated with entrepreneur, I think, was more so um, that I felt unworthy of the title, mm-hmm. right? We all have this sort of, like, feeling that we aren't doing it as well as everyone else or mm-hmm. that we're kind of a joke, mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I felt for a little while. Like I was just like pretending to be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't really an entrepreneur, but of mm-hmm. course I was. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who moves forward on a business, whether it's like, you know, you're an Arbonne salesperson and have a little team under you or, or whether you're opening a big space or whether you're working on an app or whether you're a blogger, like you're an entrepreneur. You're, you have, yeah. even before Bolo, when I was just um, a freelance journalist. I had to sell people on things, pitch them, hustle to find jobs, make my way, you know, set my rate. That's an entrepreneur, of course. My resistance to it was just in my confidence about it Mm -hmm. and in understanding that the definition 
doesn't have to mean, you know, I'm making a certain amount of money from it. Mm. It just has to mean that I've, I've gone out on my own. I'm self-employed and I'm hustling for it. And that's all that it, that it means. And now mm-hmm. I embrace the term and I think it, it really encompasses who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I encourage anyone who has the smallest business or an, even just a, a business idea, like you are an entrepreneur, you're already an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is just believe in yourself, call yourself that and just start moving forward, even if it's super slowly. Yeah. No, that's really powerful. Just like own it and go with it. That's, yeah. That's I'm just like losing my words right now. But what is it when people don't feel like worthy, when they feel like they don't have a seat at the table? That's the word. Okay. Maybe. I'll think of it. Yeah. It'll pop up at some point. That'll come to me. Like speaking of your posts, we love your Instagram so much and just all of the inspirational messages that you share and how real you are. Yes. Um, so you recently shared one about reflecting about yourself 10 years ago. Yes. Um, so this was probably uh, like around your birthday um, and kind of how you would have been shocked where you are now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, 10 years ago, um, so I'm 35. I just turned 35. It's such a weird number. <laughs> um, so at 25, um, when I think about 25, I smile, which is good because I actually think it was kind of a dark time for me. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that I remember it fondly and I remember 25 as like a good year, quote unquote, but I'm not sure if I'm defining it properly as such. Um, 25, I was being very unkind to my body. Mm. Um, I think that 25 might've been like the pinnacle of my body image struggles Mm. or yeah, just sort of the way that I punished myself. I was highly into boxing at the time. Um, I was competing at the time, so I was very concerned with exercise and food. And um, I think it was sort of the edge of glory for me at the time. So, like, after 25 is when it all kind of um, started to really affect me and I had to sort of started to learn the lessons I've learned now. Mm -hmm. But at 25, I was still going strong with – restriction of food and over-exercising. And I do believe 10 years later, I'm still paying the price for that time. Mm. So obviously to say that I would be shocked that I would own a place called Body Love and be fostering a community where I was promoting not just self-love in the flighty kind of way, but but really promoting um, responsible use of fitness, um, the use of movement to fuel the body, to inspire the mind, um, and to generate more love and confidence mm-hmm. would have not made sense to me back then. Yeah. Um, but I think I would have been really proud of myself mm-hmm. because I think I was really struggling 10 years ago. Um, I think I was very sad. Oh. And I think you can't really, you don't put your body through what I did and be happy. Because not only you're doing it from a place of pain, a place of um, like non-acceptance, which is a horrible way to live, um, but also, yeah, that like basically all of that was to try and change who I was, how I looked. Everything I did was to manipulate my body because I didn't want to be in the body I was in. Mm. Um, And just, yeah, like that's a dark place. So... Yeah, I'm looking back, I'm happy for her. Mm-hmm. I'm proud. 
Yeah. Um, and again, like I, I always come back to this idea of like making mistakes and learning from them and, and trusting the, the journey because I often wallow for in moments because my health is still a problem for me. And I do believe that a lot of it stemmed from the amount of stress I put it under during that time. Um, these types of things have long-term repercussions and I'm definitely a poster child for that. Mm -hmm. So I often kind of feel sad for myself and regret some of the things that I did and am annoyed that at this point in time when I'm taking the best care of myself and, and then doing it for all the right reasons and really put in the work in a good way that I'm still not feeling well. And so I have moments of kind of pity, I guess, for mm -hmm. myself, um, but I'm often reminded from some of the close people in my life that without going through what I've been through, you know, that basically started at 25, um, I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have learned the lessons I learned. Um, and I wouldn't have created the purpose that I have now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I feel like it's cliche, I guess, but everyone says, you know, like everything happens for a reason and mm -hmm. you learn these lessons. I feel like that story I have, I could have so many follow-up questions. We could chat forever. Just like uh, learning more about like boxing. Like you obviously still love boxing, yeah, but maybe your, mm -hmm. I guess the, your perspective on it has changed or the way you. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because you have to, so boxing is one of the only sports that's weight focused. Yeah. Like you actually have to be a certain weight to compete right. um, because you oh, have yeah. to be the same weight as your competitor it's just oh, how right. it makes sense yeah. so you have to weigh in and mm. it's just it is a really dark side in my opinion of the sport mm -hmm. and to this day like I love boxing I found a way to to love it to treat it responsibly and to enjoy it for the reasons that are positive and not negative so I yeah. enjoy it because it makes me feel powerful confident competent um it's just like the best feeling of all time and mm. instead of treating it like oh it's the highest calorie burner or right? Like it's going to yeah. make me the skinniest. Mm -hmm. So that was how I used to see it. And now I've really turned it into something more powerful than that. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have competitors at Bolo yeah. and it is very, very tricky with women yeah. um, to be in a sport where they have to lose weight to compete. Mm -hmm. And I do struggle with it. And um, I think what I'd actually like to do, and having seen a few girls struggle with it in the last like few months, um, is to provide them with a therapist as well okay. um, to make sure that they're keeping their heads straight while they're doing it and remembering, you know, who they are and what's important during yeah. the process of having to do this yeah. thing for this sport that we love. So it is, it is tricky. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's a really. That's really smart, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think that really resonates with us. I don't know if it is with you, but like growing up as a dance, like dance is yes. similar. Yes. You have to be way. in a certain costume. You have to be, yeah, you have to look a certain way and kind of just comes with the territory. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's just resonating because now dance to us is like, it's, it's fun. It's like fun. we love it and it doesn't matter like what you look like or what you weigh and stuff. But yeah, it, it dances very well, we grew up in a very female-dominated dom um, studio. So anyways, it's just it can yeah. be sad, like, the things that can happen. But um, Yeah, dance. I, I speak to a lot of women who used to be competitive dancers. And, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to have a large brushstroke here, but, like, yeah. a lot of them have really, really deep-seated body issues. 
Ugh, yeah. It's so hard. You yeah, know, we yeah. all have this stuff so deeply ingrained in ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to undo. And, and I really hope that I'm even making like the smallest contribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, you I definitely think are. you definitely are. And then very good idea to um, get them paired up or at least suggest yeah. and give them that opportunity. To I think it's the like, it would be good to, um, to have that offered because I think it's just otherwise, I, I don't know that it's possible to do it without kind of getting a little bit fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, it's just good to have someone to like, yeah, to talk to you and like understand the, the reasons why you're, you're doing stuff. And I think, yeah, this, it all aligns with, you know, what your company is today and, um, you know, body labs. So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Including the mind. Yes. yes. Love your whole body. Uh, so we have one more question for you, and then we're going to get into some fun stuff. Ooh. So um, obviously you have a lot on the go, so we just want to hear more about how you can, how you keep yourself motivated, um, and if you have any routines or practices um, to keep yourself on top of it all. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm highly motivated, I think, in my heart, just intrinsically, and okay. there's no one practice that I that I lead myself through that helps with that because I think it's just like, it's almost that I need practices that help me to not be as productive. Mm. So what I'm trying to do is like slow myself down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that's how I'm trying to care for myself from a mental health perspective, from a physical perspective is like to actually not lean more into productivity because I'm going to be productive regardless. Like, yeah. I'm not the type of person that won't get things done. I'm not mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll turn on the TV and forget about my emails. Like, that's almost impossible. I wish that was more possible. Yeah. So I think for me, the trick is, and also with the education piece for other entrepreneurs, is that, like, more isn't always more. Less sometimes is more. And mm-hmm. obviously that sounds cliche. But um, right now, I really understand, well, A, that burnout is real. So if you mm-hmm. never stop your body or your mind will stop you and then you will have no control over getting back into it. So what we need to do is create a lifestyle where there's a yin and a yang, like time to move and hustle and produce and create and innovate and then a time to like be bored. Mm -hmm. So this is like something I'm working through with my therapist right now and she's like, your homework is to be bored more often. Because like she asked me and I – it kind of blew my mind. She was like, when was the last time you were bored? I was oh. like, I literally can't remember. Yeah, I can't I remember. That, yeah. I can when were remember. you bored? No, yeah. I, that's hard. I hate being bored. My whole life, I remember my mom saying, it's okay to be bored sometimes. I'm like, yeah. I hate being bored. Yeah, right. But and it's, it's important. This is a cultural thing that we're all dealing yeah. with now. This hustle culture, this like, you know, productivity bragging. Right. Like, yeah. I choose to not do that anymore. I used to make mm-hmm. like, you know, on Instagram, be like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And maybe that is something that still comes across because I try to story my chronicles. Right. But I try not to brag about it. Like, I'm not proud of being busy. I actually, like, want to be more proud of of sort of, like, the other side of it, mm-hmm. which is now I'm taking – coffee outside in my backyard with my dogs in the morning instead of going right to my laptop um just like creating these moments to breathe and just to be um so that's something I'm working on um I've been dabbling a little bit with like mindfulness and um intention setting and things like that and trying to get better at being more consistent with that Mm. um so yeah I would say you know motivation isn't something I lack it's the motivation to kind of be still that I'm looking for yeah no totally that 
think that is going to resonate with a lot of people. A lot of sure. people, especially yeah. people who are entrepreneurial. Um, they typically are the same way. They want yeah. to just get things done. And yeah, and then I would I would say that like my most creative time is when I have nothing else to do but mm. but think and yeah. dream and be creative. And I can't do that when my phone's in my face. Yeah, I no. can't do that when I'm in meetings constantly, um, or watching TV at the end of the night. Like mm. I, you know, as a creative person and as an innovator, like really need to give my brain. A moment to to breathe and to mm-hmm. rest it's almost like if you think about it like from a fitness perspective like we always promote rest days because your yeah. muscles need time to actually develop yeah um same thing for your mind like your mind needs time to rest so that it can clear some space to create something new mm-hmm. um and that is certainly true for me like i am my least creative when i'm busy yeah that's a very that's good true. comparison um, okay, now we're going to jump into some rapid-fire questions. Okay. <laughs> so I'll start off. So what's your favorite workout move? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like I'd like to say punching, um, <laughs> left hook to the body is my favorite, but I'm I'm entirely obsessed with animal flow right now. Mm. Um, and I take breaks from it, and then I come back to it, and I'm like, oh, shit, this feels so good. It almost makes me giddy. So I feel yeah. like that would be what I would say. Oh, nice. Right now. Yeah. What's your favorite song right now? Oh, song. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm obsessed with Beyonce Natch. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with Lion King, obviously. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know if you guys have listened to her new soundtrack yeah. from yeah. Lion King, but there's a song called My Power. And it's, like, the perfect amount of, like, kind of African beats um, mixed with, like, hip-hop. It's just sort of, like, my, my dream genre. Yeah. That's oh, so nice. cool. Um, what's your favorite smoothie at the Bolo Cafe? Oh, well, we just launched two new smoothies, so I'd have to choose them both. One is called the Pacquiao Punch, and it's a like a strawberry daiquiri kind of Ooh. thing. Um, and the other one is called the Mango Carano. They're all named after uh, professional fighters. Um, the Mango Carano is like like kind of like a pina colada. They're so good. Oh, nice. So good. Yeah. So strawberry daiquiri and pina colada. Love yeah. It. Nice. Basically, <laughs> and we have like, we have booze and sometimes people like are known to throw a shot of rum in there. Oh, oh nice. It's a thing. <laughs> as well, yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> um, what is your coffee order? Coffee order, um, a strong and hot Americana with a little bit of almond milk. Perfect. Um, what or who is your biggest inspiration? Oh my gosh. That's a tough question. Yeah, um, the last one. So you've got I that. wish I had a better answer in terms of someone who's like in my life right now. Um, and it's super cliche to say Beyonce, but let me just explain. <laughs> so Beyonce, when you think of her like from like a celebrity perspective, yeah. that's a lame answer, choosing like the biggest star in the world. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw her documentary or if you know oh, yes. anything about her. We did. Um, Chills, like, like actual chills. <laughs> the way that she thinks of things and her commitment to doing things her way mm-hmm. um, is truly an inspiration to me. Yeah. She's not just a, a star, or a choreographer, or a singer. Like she's a true innovator. Mm-hmm. She takes things and you know makes them like ten point Beyonce style. Um, her commitment to women, her commitment to women of color, yeah. and and her commitment unwavering to 
to take the things that she's passionate about and infuse them into whatever she's doing. Mm -hmm. And I connect with that so much about, you know, my passion for female entrepreneurs and mental health and, and body positive advocacy and, and how I try to thread that through in everything that I do, that consistency um, and that unwavering commitment to just like doing things in the truest form for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that Lion King soundtrack that she created or that album that she made um, was all with African musicians, sort of mm-hmm. that commitment to like honoring that, that side of the culture. And, you know, she wasn't like, Oh, and also like this pop producer right. from yeah. LA, like she really stood strong in it. And I just, everything that she does and the thought that goes into it and the seamless way that she executes it, even mm-hmm. though it's all probably really hard and intense yeah. and she's a mom and she's a wife and she's all this stuff. Like, Damn, she's good. Yes. Yeah. So would you rather give up social media or eat the same meal for dinner for the rest of your life for the rest of your life? Oh my god, I would rather eat the same meal. I wish that that was actually a thing I could do. Yeah. I am not a foodie, don't uh-huh. care. Yeah. Um I am not looking for choice. I'm looking for like the thing that makes yeah, me feel the best and sense. that is delicious. Like if I could eat barbecued salmon and like barbecued vegetables every night for the rest of my life yeah I would literally never complain <laughs> cool awesome <laughs> okay so we always ask our guests the same question what does wellness mean to you um god I I wonder if this is going to be the same answer I can't remember how I answered this last time but um wellness to me means body intuition it means doing the things um, that feel good in our bodies that day, um, whether that means animal flow or whether it means a Barry's boot camp workout, like the most intense, high intensity hit class you could do, whether it means eating barbecued salmon or eating ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, I think that our bodies tell us what we need and answering them um, and really listening to them and being intuitive is truly, that is truly wellness to me. Yes, Beautifully we agree. Yeah. That's similar to kind of our approaches from our first our first that's episode, nice. and um, I think it is similar to what you said before. So okay, that's good. good to know. <laughs> that's good that you're consistent. Um, so we just would love to know if you have any last pieces of wisdom or advice or anything you want to share with our listeners before we sign off. Um, I mean, after you listen to this podcast, take three deep breaths. Beautiful. Good advice. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, um, guys. It was lovely, and we know that you'll continue to do great things. So keep on going, and we can't wait to see the second location of Volo. Well, that conversation with Callie was just amazing to have, and we hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Kelly brought some incredible guidance and advice to the table. Always pursue your dreams no matter how hard they may seem. She went against all odds and created Bolo as we know it today. You should definitely go check Bolo out, take a few workout classes and get yourself spruced up. And you can find them on Instagram at Bolo Inc. And you can find Callie on Instagram at Callie Fit. And we've included all this information in the description for you. Thanks for tuning in. We have new episodes every Monday, so make sure you subscribe to stay up to date and share with a friend. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Team Wellness TO, 
or check us out on our website at teamwellnessto.com. That's all for now. Go kick Monday's butt. Woo!